Hello and welcome to the next episode of The Podcast, a cannabis podcast for budding enthusiasts. You're joined by your host, Heavy Days, and this episode, as always, was brought to you by our incredible sponsors. Seeds here now, number one seed bank in the industry, guarantee on satisfaction, not just germination. Go check them out, all the hottest drops, all the best breeders. They've just put up some new stock. Go see if it's what you need to make your next run fire as hell. Likewise, in order to get the best run out of your genetics, you need to keep your garden happy and healthy. And for that, we'd like to give a shout out to our friends at Coppet Biological Systems. These guys have all the best predators in the game to keep bug infestations away and to fight off any unwanted issues you may be experiencing. Check out their Spidex Vital or their Apipar M, both fantastic products for fighting off spider mites or aphids respectively, two pests a lot of growers struggle with, but they're here to help you get on top of it. Furthermore, huge shout out to ProMix. These guys have been in the industry for years. You know them, they make great media-based products using peat and mycorrhizal, but guess what? Now you can get their fantastic mycorrhizal product on its own. ProMix Connect, the number one mycorrhizal product in the game, helping you to achieve greater yields, better resins, enhanced flavor and terpenes, helping you to make your next harvest the best to date. Check out ProMix Connect for all your mycorrhizal needs. We'd like to welcome our newest sponsor onto the show, Charlie's Cannabis. These guys are family-owned, small-batch craft cannabis out of Oklahoma City, providing you with fantastic flavors and incredibly high-quality flour for anyone who's in need of some high-quality medicine. Growing strains like Star Pebbles, Chemical Sunset, and so many more, go check out Charlie's Cannabis for all the best craft small batch Oklahoma grown cannabis. They've got all the flavors and terps you need to make sure that you're puffing good. Last but not least, huge shout out to the Patreon gang. You guys know you're the lifeblood of the show, helping to ensure episodes happen. If you would like to help support the show and ensure future content is continued to be created, please go to patreon.com forward slash the podcast and sign up. You'll get access to unheard content, additional interviews, giveaways, and so much more. Patreon gang, love you guys so much. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining me for part two of the interview with JJMYC of Top Dog Genetics. If you haven't checked out part one, I recommend you do. It was a killer. In this part of the episode, we chat more Chem Dog Genetics, some history on Top Dog Seeds, and some more about the future. So without further ado, let's get into it. Amazing, amazing. And by the way, I love the name wheelchair for a strain. That's got to be the best. <laughs> I mean, if we just go back, you, you spoke about the, the genetic drift you've seen in plants. And a question that comes to my mind about that is, do you think a similar thing happened with the original sour diesel? Because it seems like so many people would just... The original sour diesel was the best thing they'd ever had, you know. They People talk about the delivery services in the 90s and how it was just so good. And now it sort of feels like it's been lost in a sense. What do you think has happened to the real sour diesel? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, it's probably has drifted a little bit. I mean, some of the cuts that I've gotten back recently 
have gotten that kind of variegation, that mosaic. Um, but I don't think it's the mosaic disease, but it is some type of um, virus, I believe. I, I've been seeing it a lot on a lot of older cuts. Um, you know, it has that kind of little variegation to it, like the, like the ChemD does. But, you know, the ChemD has always had it since day one. So, I mean, um, yeah. Uh, so I think some of the sour diesel is, I mean, it, you got to think about it. I mean, that stuff, uh, you know, has been around since, you know, 95. So, you know, how many years is that? You know, and so it really reaches the point, um, you know, you get a cutting, um, you know, how, how many generations old is that by now, by the time you get it, you know, so, and, you know, even, you know, like a lot of people that I know, they don't keep mothers, they just go from clone to clone. So, you know, after a long period of time, uh, you know, there's got to be some type of genetic drift that happens in, uh yeah, I, it, it's really hard to explain. I guess some strains are a little bit more hardier than others. Uh, I guess I have seen, I guess, indigas kind of dud out faster than sativas. But um, yeah, I think some of the um, some of the sours are getting kind of old. So, and that's why I kind of decided to, you know, start to do some back crossing. You know, I've gotten to the back cross fours, but that really wasn't my intention. I really wanted to do the back cross three, and um, I have back cross three F2s that I'm, um, I just popped and I'm going to be working into F3 sour diesels. So, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, and a lot of the, uh, the back crosses, a lot of the reports, uh, the stuff that we've grown out, a lot of it is, you know, like the old time sour. So, you know, it's going to be really just, you know, trying to sift through, you know, some of those genetics and trying to find, you know, the perfect sour. So, I mean, um, yeah, we've, you know, grown some of it out in the, in the warehouse and we're excited with, you know, one of the phenos that we found that were, was super soury. And so I think, um, you know, from the reports that we've been getting from the back cross trees, uh, have been all just really good people excited saying that the sour's back. That's really exciting to hear. I mean, out of all the sour cuts that are in circulation at the moment, which one do you put sort of your weight behind in terms of the one you like the most? Well, to me, I mean, they're all the same. I mean, everyone says, well, you know, this Chaco and Res and this one and that one. And, and really, you know, back in the day, there was only one. You know, when I, when I first got the sour diesel, I got it from AJ's girlfriend. That was the only cutting that they had, you know, and so that was the original, you know, and how that's, you know, you know, become all these different types of uh, phenos that people claim um, is probably because of genetic drift, you know, and how people maintain their 
mother and their cuttings over the years. So, you know, they're, you know, you know, if I have a cutting and you have a cutting and both of us, uh, you're growing organics and I'm using salts and we're just going from clone to clone to clone to clone, you know, after 10 or 20 years, uh, you know, my sour could be different than your sour a little bit, you know, even though the genetics, you know, are different or the same, you know, there could be certain qualities that are, had evolved to the conditions that it was growing in over the years. And that's one thing I think cannabis does, it, it evolves. So if you have it in, you know, in a shitty fucking condition over a long period of time, what do you think is going to happen, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, you know. Yeah, I think it's probably only more recently people are starting to realize how detrimental it is to have those subpar conditions for the mothers. Something I was interested to ask you about is there's a lot of notable strains throughout history that come from sort of Kembag seed that were maybe lost, like, you know, earlier on in the episode, you referenced the original guava, things like that. It made me wonder... Were there any other genetics, you know, over, say, the 90s or the early 2000s where you really liked them and they weren't chem genetics, but maybe they got lost and they just sort of don't get mentioned because the chem tends to take the limelight? Yeah, well, I specifically remember an, a hash plant uh, that my friend used to get, and that was from an indoor grower. Um, and then we used to call the guy, uh, his guy's name was dave dave lincoln and he used to have a lincoln beard so that's why he's called dave lincoln and my friend met him in the staten island hydro store he was in there shopping one day and this guy other guy odd character was in there and they just you know uh started a conversation and, and hit it up and so this guy was going uh back and forth to amsterdam and had gotten some hash plant seeds. And I specifically remember this stuff because the shit used to blow me away. And it used to, you know, leave the room in, you know, almost in a light perfumey kind of pungent smell to it, almost like a haze-like smell to it, you know. But I remember this stuff was just, you know, super potent and, I I know I know that AJ uh, he was able to get some early on, and um, yeah, unfortunately the guy uh, Dave he wound up going on vacation somewhere and left some drunk to you know to take care of his place, and so the guy somehow or another winds up locking himself out of the apartment and is like banging on the door. The neighbors call the super and the police. They open the door. And as soon as you open the door, it was just like, bam, you, you walked into his room, I guess. And so unfortunately, yeah, that hash plant wound up, you know, coming to an end. And I never, you know, wound up seeing anything quite like that ever again. You know, I could only assume that those genetics were probably coming from Neville, you know, because we were talking probably the late, 
late 80s early 90s so um you know i would assume that those you know genetics came from neville but you know that was one uh, specific strain that i remember back in the day and there was like a couple you know stuff that they used to call kush and northern lights and you know those two things were very kind of and when you say kush i'm not talking og kush it was a different type of kush and not bubba kush so um yeah i mean i can't really remember exactly what you know that could i just remember it was like super crystally and this this bomb and you know i also remember some uh northern lights that used to be around that was kind of medicine-y and piney and um yeah so um i mean yeah there were some really good strains that you know used to be around back in the day and and some really good tie i remember getting this tie weed that was just unbelievable it was called the um uh, uh the golden eagle tie and uh, the thing about the golden eagle tie my friend in times square wound up getting it and they used to come in kilos and the kilos were wrapped in cellophane and so the brick was wrapped up and then they had a stamp on it of a golden eagle and um the funny thing about the story is, you know, that stuff only came around once. It was back in 89. I specifically remember it because I remember getting some of it and taking it to the Grateful Dead show. And it was a, it was a memorable run. And we, I don't know, we had a bunch of people there you know, my friend had a van and we had i don't know like three or four cars i don't know there was like eight or ten people all hanging out we're getting ready to go into the show and i had this fucking tie weed this golden eagle tie weed i rolled up two joints and i lit them both up at the same time and then we we're all in a circle i'm smoking on two joints I, I i passed one one way and the other one the other way and so we you know we smoked we smoked those two joints and there was a lot of people there. And so I figured, oh, you know, maybe, you know, everyone didn't get high enough. So we smoked those two joints. I wound up packing a bowl and like everyone just dropped out. I mean, you know, when, when I packed, everyone was like, no, that's numb. Everyone just fucking bailed, you know. And I just re specifically remember that. And I just remember, man, this shit must be really good, you know. So, you know, that that I, I remember. You know, and I remember getting big, huge seeds in it, too. They're really big seeds, and eventually I lost them to the cops. But anyway, um, the funny thing about the story is that there's a book out called Tie Stick. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I kind of became uh, friendly with the author. And... Um, one of one someone that that I know, uh, someone that my friend knows, a mutual friend, um, they saved those stamps of the Golden Eagle and they framed them in a picture frame, and they took a picture of it and he sent it to me, and um, 
I, I recognized it right away. And so I, I, I made a post, I posted that golden Eagle stamp and the, the author of the tie stick book recognized that stamp and actually knew of that particular load and knew of that particular load that, that came because they were, they were coming, they were, those stamps were coming from, you know, a particular group of people and which he documents in that book. And um, yeah, and actually he has a picture of, um, I think it was in one of the newspapers, they had busted part of that load or something, but they have a picture of that load of the Eagle stamp in there and everything. So yeah, that was like a real amazing, uh, you know, thing that kind of came another amazing thing that came full circle of was actually being able to uh, track track and he actually knows the actual person that, you know, he tells a story the guy went up into Laos, into this farm, and you know, started a farm, you know, you know, you know, they I mean, these guys were smuggling you know, the tie back, back then. And so, I mean, they really, instead of buying it from people, they actually started their own farm. That's how deep they started getting into it, you know? And, you know, if you really get, if you, if you, if you get into the book, a uh, tie stick, um, yeah, it's all documented. So, I mean, it, that was uh, an amazing thing. I thought that, you know, I, which wound up, you know, uh, coming through, but, but really the, uh, really, the internet has really been an integrate part of, 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 of cannabis, the, the evolve, you know, evolving everything and putting, you know, being able to figure out these stories of the tie and the chem dog and, you know, you know, being able to communicate with someone around the world. And, you know, when it first came out, it really gave us the ability to someone in New York could talk to someone in California and actually like the concept of mailing clones and, and, and all of that, it, you know, you know, like, you know, like if you really think about it, like you, you, you know, like, how is that going to work? Like you're going to mail me something in the mail and like, so, you know, all of that was just, you know, very new and, and fresh and, uh yeah you know it was just amazing and really you know I, you know i'm a i'm a product of the internet you know if it wasn't for the internet you know i wouldn't be who i you know and the people that that's helped me i wouldn't be who i am you know because how else are people gonna know about you find out about you or you know or even connect with you and in that and in the beginning it was never really about being trying to be about trying to be someone in the industry it was just trying to trying to make your hustle and trying to make money to pay your bills and, and feed your family and, and 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 so on so you know in the very beginning you know no one was ever you know trying to be you know some kind of big kind of a breeder or you know we just kind of evolved into that and um you know we were just hustlers you know from the very beginning so kind of being in the right place at the right time and just taking advantage of the situation you know and really having the the, the balls to really you know do something that was illegal 
you know, at the time where people now, you know, it's, it's pretty easy for anyone to, you know, to, to jump in and, and you know, become an Instagram seed breeder. Yeah, I mean, I've been reflecting on that point myself a lot recently that, like, any perceived struggles people have these days probably quite minimal compared to what, you know, yourself and some of the other sort of original guys really had to go up against. So, you know, kudos for, for taking the risk at a time when, you know, the, the punishments were arguably <laughs> incredibly worse. Um, I'd love to just link back, though, when you were talking about the hash plant that was lost, it it brought to mind, um, I'm wondering, what what's your thoughts on the skelly hash plant? You know, it's it's often a, a really well-received cutting among the chem heads and as a sort of a follow-up to that, do you think there's a link between skelly and the chem 91? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think the, the hash plant itself, um, it's kind of greasy. You know, there's no chem in it whatsoever. Is more of a raw Afghani type of plant, um, very similar to other hash plants that I've seen in the past. Hash plant number one being one of them. Um, I mean, it, it's a, I mean, it's an old, it's a very old uh, cutting. Um, it can be very tricky to uh, to dial in. Uh, it doesn't clone very well. Um, yeah, it you know, uh, it's, I mean, just, just, just to describe it, it's, you know, I would describe it as, you know, as a, a heavy Afghan, um, you know, which can be kind of bland to some people, uh, you know, because there's not a lot of, you know, a lot of flavor and there's more of a dankness to it, you know. Um, so I don't, I don't really see a real, you know, um, between the two of them it's kind of a night and day because that the the hash the skelly grows really kind of short and bushy and you know kind of like a typical hash plant afghan land race type of a plant where the chems are you know a little more stretchy and more terpy and uh yeah i mean i can kind of see there is a little bit of a similar similar you know they have similar traits to them but a lot different where i would describe the skelly as probably a pure indigo and the chems kind of more of a, a little bit of a, a hybrid sativa they just have that little bit more uh, sativa hybrid to them it seems in growth and in, in, in structure and everything too yeah, certainly. I've I've had similar thoughts myself, you know, about I guess to me the skelly hash plant has some similar taste to the chem dog, but as you said, that's just sort of an Afghani taste. I guess it doesn't really explain why there's such a dramatic difference in the way they grow and whatnot. But sort of I guess at the heart of the question is like what do you think are the genetics in the chem dog? And as a bit of a follow up, I remember I spoke to Peabud years ago and and he said, you know, like, look, Joe Brand's the only one who probably really can give you any more information than what already exists. Do you think we'll ever get that information from Joe or someone? No, I mean, I don't think no one really knows, you know. Uh, I mean, I suspect it's got to be, 
you know, obviously some time, some type of Afghan. I mean, uh, just by, you know, by the, the, the Chem 91, just by the dark, the dark leaves, you know, which is kind of similar to the Skelly. You know, they, they get that really kind of darkness to them, the, the shiny darkness to them. Um, so uh, there's definitely some, you know, Afghan influence in there. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm hearing, you know, I've heard some rumors of um, of the dog bud being in Oregon in 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 uh, in the dead family. Um, I'm trying to get some um, some more information on that. Um, but that was from an outside source. I mean, the the rumors all go back to that same area of Oregon and in Washington, you know, so I, I, you know, I have to believe it, it, it probably came out, it definitely came out of there. Um, it could be some type of Northern lights, um, thing. Um, but you know, that, you know, uh, I would like, you know, if, and I'm sure, you know, guys like Greg McAllister and some are older head and older heads than me can probably answer this question of plants that were fuely, you know, that chemi fueliness. Now, I don't know if that was ever a trait of any of the NL trait and NL strains or any of the Afghans that these guys got back in the day, but there's got to be someone that's out there that could recognize. I mean, I mean that 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 you know diesel, chemi, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. You know that's a specific terp. You know, and so I mean, I'd have to think it's got to come out of the of some of the Afghans or Kushes. You know, from 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 those regions of, of hash making. Um, so, I mean, it, it, you know, and, and you'd really would have to go back to some of those regions and, you know, I mean, do, you know, do these terps still, you know, uh, uh, survive in their original form? Was it something that was, was crossed, you know, into a sativa, uh, type of a plant or, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, uh, a lot of different questions because I think, you know, the chem itself is quite complex, you know, and then, you know, if you look at the 91, the way that it grows, you know, very similar to an OG Kush, you know, um, a lot of, you know, there, you know, a lot of people like me uh, think that they're, um, they're definitely related in some form or another, uh, just by the way that, you know, that it grows, bud structure, the fueliness, you know, obviously there's, you know, a terp difference and there must've been something that was something different that was brought in. Uh, so, um, so really, you know, really getting back to, you know, the, the origin of that fueliness, you know, where, do, where does that originate from? And I don't think anyone could really answer that question. Yeah, it may well be one for the ages. As sort of a, a follow-up to that question, did you ever have any sort of relationship with Joe Brand and did you ever see the Chem 1, 2, or 3? Uh, I never personally met Joe. 
Uh, we had many conversations over the years online. Uh, we were always one step away from meeting, but couldn't for whatever reason. Um, I met Peabud first before I met Joe. Um, you know, unfortunately, Joe, um, you know, fell off over the years um, due to a, a bad drug habit. Um, you know, me, Peabud, Greg, you know, lots of other people have always kind of, you know, reached out and, you know, tried to help him. And, you know, he, I mean, he really could have been uh, someone in the industry, but unfortunately chose um, a different path. He definitely has uh, a place in history and um, has a story to tell. Uh, but unfortunately, other other demons are, are, you know, are winning the fight. And so, you know, we haven't, you know, heard from Joe in, in you know, in, in, in a few years. So I, I don't know if he's still with us or not. I mean, he could possibly uh, the last time I uh, reached out to someone that had tabs on him. Uh, they couldn't locate him. So, um, yeah, we, we, we don't know the status of Joe and we, you know, we, we, you know, we hope and pray that, you know, he could, you know, get his shit together. And, you know, there's, 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 there's always a place in history and, uh, a new beginning for him if he wants, but, you know, these are things that, you know, that we, we can't control other people's, um, actions, unfortunately, and can only go, uh, forward with ourselves. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's pretty much it on him. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good response. That's a good response. So, on a recent episode, we had Mr. Bob Hemphill on and we we're sort of talking about the hash plant 13. And I know that you've had a little bit of experience with that one. And I was wondering if you had any sort of insights you'd be willing to share with us because there's such little information about it out there. Yeah, well, the hash plant 13, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I recently... Um, I unraveled the mystery behind that. You know, I had uh, purchased some land race seeds from someone, and when I grew them out, it was just that 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 salty onion, garlic skunk that's unmistakable to HP uh, thirteen. And when I smelled it, I was like, "That's it," you know, and so. I had been searching uh, for that strain for quite some time because it was always a mythical strain that was around New York City at the same time that the hash plant was, but I never ever got to uh, sample it, but I always heard about it. So, you know, when I saw, you know, and over the years, I saw multiple breeders offer that uh, strain, but uh, it, it never, uh, you know, I, well, I grew it out from two different people. And the first person I grew it out from, it was not, you know, anything that I really uh, thought was uh, 
worth keeping. And then when I grew out the second breeders pack, that's when I, that's when I found the real deal. And uh, recently I was at uh, the New York city uh, gene trader show and you know that's you know my that's my stomping grounds new york so when i went home when i went to that it was like a, it was like a, it was like a homecoming uh a lot of my old friends came out uh, a lot of my old customers a lot of people that i you know worked with you know and so uh a friend of mine came out you know that i had known for a long time and introduced me to the breeder of the hb13 eddie this guy named eddie uh, Eddie originally was from New York, uh, was in the New York City scene in the 90s. Uh, he create, he was a grower. He created HP 13. And then he moved to uh, Maui in Hawaii. So when he moved out there, there was a whole bunch of people from um, from New York at that time that uh, moved out, moved out to Hawaii. And they, there was a whole whole scene that 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 started out there, and that's kind of where uh, the that's how the HP thirteen wound up being in Hawaii because those guys brought brought it over there, and that's how some of those uh, other guys got a hold of it out there. So, uh, so yeah, I mean. Uh, I mean, when I, when I, you know, I got the original HB 13 as a cutting, uh, it was a little bit tired and, um, and it always, you know, it always, you know, when it was growing, it always had that really, you know, uh, really the terps were just amazing when you smell it, just very, very, very unique, you know, but it was a hard, it was a hard plant to grow and it always, it was a I mean, if you had any kind of bugs in your in your grow, they would just, you know, for some reason it was, you know, just one of those plants that the, you know, the mites would just they would be on the HP 13, but the plant next to it they wouldn't be on. So it was just one of those type of plants where you know, the bugs just loved it. And um yeah, I mean, over the years, it kind of it's kind of lost some of its vigor and some of the terps and stuff. It, it had gotten tired over the years, and so yeah, the original cutting, um, you know, I wound up doing some breeding with it, and then I just eventually, I, I unfortunately lost it. But um, the the special thing about it was just the terps about it. And, you know, a lot of people used to, you know, used to say the same exact thing that they're saying about the sour, you know, that they, they, they say about the hash plant, you know, that early on it was really strong and really terpy, this and that. And now it's kind of weak and weak on, you know, weak, weak across the board. So, you know, when I, when I picked it up, you know, I, you know, I, I, I brought it back to a, 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 a BX1 and, you know, then kind of just, uh, it kind of just fell off from there. I, you know, I, I have all that original stock. Um, but, you know, when I found, you know, the original mother plant, you know, I was really excited. And so I, I'm hoping, you know, I'm going to be doing some breeding with that, uh, real soon actually I, I mean i got it right now and um 
unfortunately the i had a um hp 13 back cross i popped some seeds and um the few plants that i wound up getting uh they were all female so like sometimes you pop seeds with the hope of finding a male and they'll come out female and yeah that's a that's a little disappointing for me but uh unfortunately for me i have uh some pollen stored away so i'm gonna i have some u-dub uh, backcross pollen and um that was the u-dub you know that was the um the original cross was double dog HP one puck times the U dub. And then I back crossed the U dub twice. And so the U dub hash plant kind of has it, it. It's almost a little similar to uh, the HP 13 and probably similar to the hash plant that i remember back in the day because it kind of has like a very distinctive kind of pissy skunky like it's really hard to describe but when you smoke it it's got that pungent kind of smell kind of just like when you smoke the bubba kush when you smoke the bubba kush you know, it does leave a spiciness in the air. So there's, there is, you know, some of these hash plant cushions out there that, that's got this kind of spiciness to it, you know, which is um, very unique in, in, in the indigo because you don't really find that, like, spicy, like, kind of uh, pungent, haze, hazy type of smell you know, in indigo. So uh, I find those ones really uh, interesting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It sounds like a killer. Um, I might be confused here, but one of our um, listeners was wondering, because it, it might, might be the same plant we're talking about, but hopefully you can clarify for me. They were just wondering how you would describe the hash plant slash puck slash double dog mother you used in the HP 91 cross you made. Is that the same plant or is it different? And how would you describe it? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, it, it was more kind of puckish, you know, kind of, you know, more, uh, more indigo, um, yeah, all, all that stuff kind of just kind of leaned toward the puck because it was, you know, the, the HP1, you know, and uh, the puck were kind of like very similar plants. This very kind of short, short indigas, kind of leafy, single cola, uh, you know, fat nugs. Uh, kind of blandish and and taste and 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 terps, uh, more of a you know heavy, uh, stony in, indigo type of a plant. Yeah, nice, great. I was gonna say, um, I used to have this cutting I got from your seeds that I miss so much. It was from the skunk OG. Did you ever? hear much back from customers about that i had this killer cut i loved it uh yeah i mean uh we got a, i got a little, a little bit of feedback but it wasn't something that really gained a lot of traction um it, it's kind of funny how sometimes those things work out 
you know, um, sometimes it only takes someone, one person like you to find something like that and then, then start blowing it up. And then it just starts creates a lot of interest. And, uh, and that's kind of how those things work. Like, you know, the, the only way I can describe it is they kind of take a life of their own. Like I could say what I want about how good they are, but until they get into somebody else's hands and, 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 and especially if it's someone that has any kind of influence or following and if they start blowing it up and just, that's the only way that I can describe like my whole, the way everything has kind of evolved for me. It wasn't really what I did with everything. It's what everyone else did with my genetics, you know, and I made them, but you know, other people actually have made them famous more famous than I have for me. You know, you know what I'm saying? People have gone out and won awards with them. People have, you know, you know, uh, when something's that good, it just kind of stands out and it takes a life of its own. So, you know, it, like I said, it doesn't really matter what I think or say about it. It's what you say and what everyone else thinks and says, you know, and when I show you something that good, you're going to be like, wow, that's amazing. You know what I mean? And you show your buddy and, and then it just, you, you know, before you, it just takes, you know, that's the only way I can describe it. It's, uh, you know. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I guess people may be a bit apprehensive if a breeder's telling you, you know, this is the bee's knees. Like maybe, maybe they've been sold something that wasn't very good before in the past. So yeah, when someone else blows it up, it's like, hey, this is, there's no reason for me to say it's good if it's not. Um, but that's interesting to hear. And another thing I was thinking about earlier today was, your star cookies cross, it was sort of like the original GMO, right? Because like, you know, star dogs like a lot of chem D in it, right? And then it's crossed to the forum cookies. Like it's sort of like its own GMO in a way before GMO was big. Did you ever find any phenos like GMO in there or sort of a bit different? No, not fully like that. Really like the GMO is just, I don't know. It's just kind of like an anomaly. It just, it's... Uh, I don't think they've been able to find anything the same cutting. You know, I'm sure it's been remade and it's just like, it's, you know, it's just one of those things that one in a thousand seed or whatever, whatever it was, uh, um, they can't, they can't duplicate that, you know? So, and that was really because, you know, it was very chem D heavy. You know, when you smell, you know, when you smell, you know, GMO, you just get like full garlic fuel, you know. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the blend of that was just kind of an amazing thing. And really, um, I don't think that they can duplicate it. I mean, uh, I forget the name. Who made, what was the name of I think it was Mamico Seeds. Mamico, okay. Yeah, ma right. And I know that he's remade them. I know that he's remade them. So I don't hear of anyone, you know, finding that. And I kind of, kind of look at the same thing as the motor breath. You know, the motor breath was um, SFB OG times Chem D. And so when you, when you get a bag of that stuff and you smell the motor breath, it smells heavy chem D. I mean, you know, but when you smoke it, it's, it tastes like OG, you know? So um, it's just one of them things where 
you know, the genetics just, you know, fell into place and it was a, you know, winning ticket, but um, to try to recreate that, I mean, I think you're probably better off breeding with that to recreate it than to try to use the original parents because there's going to be so much diversity in the gene pool and you probably got to go through who knows how many seeds to find that, you know, it, it is in there, but how, you know, often is it going to pop up? You know, one in 10, one, who, who knows? And, and if other people aren't finding it, you know, then that must tell you that it's, it's a rare, it's a rare thing. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, hugely, hugely. I think, I can't remember who it was, but someone came on the show a while back and said, oh, you know, GMO, it's just, it's just Chem D dressed up like cookies. And it made me think like, sounds kind of true to me. But I guess it sort of made me start thinking about how it's funny that you need to dress the chem D up like cookies for people to be more interested. Like it's sort of a weird concept because for people like, you know, in the real chem diehard fandom, like they, you know, you don't need to sell them on chem D, but the sort of newer generation needs it to look like cookies to be able to really get into it. Well, you know, to me, you know, I grew the GMO and the chem D in a warehouse in production i both got both of them tested and actually the gmo tests higher than the chem d if you could believe it you know the, the gmo was in 28 you know the chem d was maybe like 25 and i could take you know both of those buds side by side and i could smoke that gmo and then when i smoked that chem d it would just rip apart you know the gmo you know the gmo has a little bit more of the cookies a little bit more sativa so it's got a little bit more of an upper and up to it you know where the chem d i mean just i mean that shit just rips right through you i mean there there's no up to it it will just devastate you so even though the chem d was um testing lower than a gmo it smoked way stronger you know it was for me uh the, the, the gmo is nice uh it could be a little unsatisfying for me at times because of the sativa um tip to it uh the same could be said uh to the chem sister you know, chem sister is a very uh, garlicky onion, uh, very uh, chem D terp, same exact thing, but it's more on a sativa and tip to it. And so um, it does not give you um, uh, that devastating high. Yeah, I would describe it more kind of like the GMO is a little bit upper, more sativa. Uh, so that's why, like the G, I mean, the chem sister has never really been a real popular, you know, popular thing. And then, you know, getting back, you had asked me, uh, about the chem one, two, three, and four. And, um, yeah, I grew the chem one from, uh, an inspector. Uh, it grew, uh, it, it, it grew very, very no yeah it, yeah it for me i don't know some people said it was nl5 haze a little bit like i don't know to me it was like kind of blandish like i i didn't really 
I, I didn't really see anything special about it. I didn't, I didn't catch any, I don't know. I, I, I bred to it a couple of times and lost it, but like, I mean, to me, it wasn't even like smokable head stash for me. I thought, you know, the two was a little bit more, uh, was a little bit nicer. Uh, and, but still nothing real special. You know, it's, it's kind of weird because uh, as, you know, as you get to the three, you know, I thought the three was probably better than the one in the two. And then uh, and the three was very similar to the four and um, but grew shorter uh, and was a little more cit citrusy, I would say. And but it wasn't really. Uh, it wasn't really a strong smoker. It was nice, you know what I mean? And then you had the four. So really out of all of them, I thought the four, you know, the four was really the best one out of them all overall. Uh, smoked best, yielded best, uh, grew the best and everything. So that's really what the reason why really the one, two, and three aren't really relevant because – you know, they just never, you know, you know, I don't know. It's never was really that good. And, you know, when you're talking about, um, you know, having, you know, number of different plants you can have and uh, the space that you have and everything. So, you know, a lot of that, you know, you take into account where, you know, it just doesn't, you know, this doesn't make it, you know, it just gets, it gets cold out and, you know, you move on to something else that's better. So, uh, but yeah, the, the three and the four were definitely the, the standouts out of the one, two, three, four, uh, the two, you know, was better than the one. Uh, the you know, and both of them, and all of them were kind of really more uh, heavy indigo, more uh, yeah, even like you know, I'm trying to think, you know, and and a lot different too from the the '91, the the D and the sister, you know, where you know, and, and it's kind of weird because you got like the '91 which, you know, is fuely and skunky, but not, it's not real super terpy, you know, it's more kind of got that blandish Afghan tip to it, you know, with the darker leaves and the dark, you know, even the, even the fan leaves and stuff, you know, the sugar leaves are darker and everything. And then, you know, you compare that to the, 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 you know, the skunky uh, garlic oniony uh, of the of the cam D in a sister, and then you kind of get into the more piney cami, um, you know, little little you know like a little citrusy on on the you know the three and the four and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, it's just interesting that, you know, the, the different uh, profiles that, that, that came out of that whole line. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff sort of locked in there, isn't there? What you just said made me think of something which 
you know, it never popped to mind before, but I'd love to know if you knew anything on it, which is there's another guy out there, relatively unknown breeder named Incognito. And he breeds with like Chem 1, 2, 3, and 4. I think it's legit. Yeah. Do you know who he is or how he ties into it? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, we, we, we know who he is. Uh, you know, we, we, we had a little bit of a disagreement, uh, you know, some, some years back. And, you know, we don't really talk. But uh, I know that, that Money Mike uh, was friends with him. And he did have uh, and gave him the Chem 3. So I know that his Chem 3 is legitimate. Now, I can't really speak on his one or two uh, Chem cuts. Um, I know that he had, you know, he's up in Massachusetts. And I know that he, you know, had friends who were friends with, you know, uh, I think some of the Chem family. So he's been able to, uh, you know, source uh, those genetics through those people. But uh, as far as I know, he does have, you know, legitimate uh, chem genetics. Ah, that's cool to hear. That's cool to hear. Um, in your in your prior answer, you referenced, you know, like some of them weren't really what you'd call head stash. And it sort of made me wonder, what to you qualifies as head stash, given you've got such a superb sort of foundation of like what's good weed to you and what's not? What are the sorts of things that would make something fall into the head stash category for you? Well, you know, it, it's, you know, it's hard to say, but, you know, like when I go, you know, for head stash, I'm looking for, you know, something that, you know, I'm looking for fuel. I'm looking for, you know, chem or OG or sour, you know, diesel, you know, I, I need something, I need something that's, you know, that's gonna, you know, that's gonna get me high. Um, but you know, I'm I'm a connoisseur, so I like you know all different you know sides of the spectrum. So you know, I like a really good haze, also, you know. And so, you know, and what really makes it for me is when when I take a hit off a joint or off a bowl or bong or whatever. And I take a really big hit and I hold it and, you know, you get that long expansion, you know, and you blow that, you blow that hit out. And, and as you're blowing that hit out, you know, you, you now all of a sudden, you, you, you know, you start to get the head rush. You start to feel the effects of, of, of that. Now, and I'm just talking about one hit, you know, and even like with a good haze, like I could take, uh, a hit off of a really good haze and, 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 and just close my eyes and blow it out and then feel the effects of the third eye and the headband and just the different, you know, effects that you feel inside your head, you know, and you just get, you know, uh, a feeling of a, a, a warm, fuzzy blanket that, that's put over you. You know, that's how the chem makes me feel, you know. So, you know, there's a lot of different strains that are going to give you different effects. But, you know, in the end for me, you know, I, I want to be able to take one big hit and blow it out and then be able to be like, whoa, that's, you know, that's something. And there's not a lot of strains that can really, you know, 
that really, you know, hold up to that test, you know, so, you know, um, you know, I'm willing to, you know, try anything that anything that's good, but, you know, in, in today's, you know, today's world, there's not a lot that, you know, that, you know, that, 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 that cut it. And most of the stuff that does is really closely related, you know, the chems, the OGs, the sours, the hazes, you know, there's not a lot of different diversity out there, uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, and it depends on what you're, you know, smoking for. You know, I describe what I, what I smoke for. Some people are just about the flavor. You know, I'm not one of these guys that just take a hit and blows it out quick and, you know, enjoys the flavor of it. You know, I, I, like I said, when I take a big hit, I, I'm going to hold it. I want to feel that lung, lung, lung expansion. And then I want to, you know, blow out a cloud that's going to make me cough and make, and make my head, you know, to explode. Yeah, brilliant. It's funny, as you were saying that, it made me start thinking that feeling you describe, you know, like you take the hit, you hold it, and the feeling comes over you and the third eye. It's almost... It's almost like a human experience for good weed across the board, isn't it? It's it's funny. Well, sometimes you know, and then sometimes you know, you know, you feel that not just with the head, but with the really good stuff, you get the full body effect. So you you know, I mean, the warm fuzzy blanket—that's what I describe it as. So you know, and some strains will just get that strictly head high, where you're just getting that. But you know, uh, so it, you know that's really the difference between you know indigo and sativa, and for me, it has to do with you know the burning of the cannabinoids in the vegetative matter because I don't get those same effects with hash or any kind of concentrate. There's something with the vegetative matter, the burning of the vegetative matter, that just the combustion of those cannabinoids. Uh, just there's just something special about flour uh, for me. The effect that I just don't get that with hash or any t- type of concentrate. Yeah, here, here, I can agree to that. So I just wanted to quickly take us back to talk about the ChemD for a moment because you were talking about it earlier and you were referencing the ChemSys and a few other cuts. And I guess what I'm wondering is what's your take on the situation given there's so many different ChemD cuts going around? You know, I think I've seen like three or four different ones now and, you know, there's the original one and the variegated one and the the ChemSys and the ChemDS one from Bundy and all that. Where do you, how do you lay out the chem? Is there one chem D in your mind that's the real one, or how do you view the situation? Uh, there's only been one real one. Now it's a variegated one, and and I think what's what 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 it, what's happened uh, a lot is a lot of people are mistaking the chem sister as the chem D, and then yeah, and then you get into the Bundy thing. And, you know, maybe some other S1s that could come into play. Um, I could just, um, you know, speak from personal experience that we back, you know, in, back in the day uh, popped a, a ChemD S1. And it was uh, very, very close to the original, but a little sweeter. We called it the uh, ChemD3 or something like that. Um, we had that around for a little while, 
Um, but we, uh, but we let that go eventually. Um, but so really my point is, is really like, you know, um, anyone can really find, um, that type of pheno in, in, in an S1, in, in, you know, uh, in, in a chem dog seed, chem D seed. So, you know, depending on the situation, you know, if it, if it, you know, if it's self-harmed or whatever, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, so all of that kind of muddies the water a little bit. And, uh, so unless you, unless you, you know, unless you don't know what the original is, you're not going to know. And yeah, it is some type of chem dog or whatever, but, uh, yeah, the other, you know, the, the, the original D, you know, uh, grows a certain way. It grows kind of, uh, medium to short. It's not really stretchy uh in sativa like like the like the um 91 grows in the sister so um yeah so you know it's really trying to really know the real uh characteristics of you know of the real thing and compared to what you have so it's you know kind of hard to say you know it, uh, the same thing with you know with, with a lot of the strains now the ogs the sours and now it's starting with the chems where you know there's just so many different names and a lot of them are the same thing but just mis mislabeled yeah hugely hugely it it made me wonder a lot of people these days have been running a lot of S1s of both the 91 and the D and I think that's probably because they're now sort of more available to people but a lot of cool phenos popping their heads out and as you've referenced a few times now some sort of more fruity ones coming out of those seeds which to me was quite surprising you know I guess I never really thought there was a lot of fruitiness inside the chem have you ever popped any bag seeds or S1s and found something like just really that blew you away where you were like, I did not expect to find this in these seeds? Yeah, actually we find kind of like a maple and there's like a maple type of uh, pheno that comes out of some of the star dog stuff. And I've seen some of it come out of uh, some of the chem D stuff too. And it's more of an astringent kind of an Afghan, I, you know, I, I would think. Uh, but, you know, that turp is uh, very distinguishable. And, uh, yeah, it does come out, um, the maple stuff. But uh, the fruity stuff we haven't, you know, I haven't really gotten, no, not much fruit out, out of out of out of the chems out of out of the stuff that you know that we've run uh yeah uh yeah the more than that maple the maple stuff is you know uh, and, and like i said it's more in a, of a real kind of an afghan i feel type of a uh, terp yeah that's so very very interesting i guess you know time will tell and i think i should maybe clarify when i say fruity i think the reports i had read were sort of like um maybe sort of near that guava end of things like sort of a what did they say uh, like grapefruit so i guess like you know a bit of bitterness slash not like the most yeah well we found some kind of a little citrus like i like i said we found a little bit of citrus there was a little bit of citrus in the threes so 
you know, I, I would think that's probably what, you know, they were referring, that you're referring to is kind of like a little citrusiness. Yeah, that explains it perfectly. There's been one question that I've been wanting to ask you for like six or seven years now because it's just so conflicting all over the internet. But um, basically, I was wondering if you could give us the backstory on the Day Wrecker because everything I had read about it said that it was basically gone. But you still see people saying, you know, I've crossed this to the Day Wrecker and I'm like, isn't it gone? Well, you know, referring back to my original post on the internet on on uh, overgrow i had referred to the chem 91 you know uh, as uh the original diesel which which was you know it was called the diesel originally you know that you know so we never we never called it original diesel it was just called diesel people like yo you got that diesel shit you know so, you know, that's how that really first came about, you know, and uh, and really uh, the uh, the underdog, you know, and so I had which I had referenced previously, you know, people would be like, yeah, that, you know, the underdog, which was the super skunk NL times 91. And people used to refer to that as the day record. They'd be like, yeah, that shit wrecked my day. You have more of that day record shit, you know? So I referenced that as, as that, you know? And so, uh, and that, and, and, and all of these other little names that I had, you know, the, the day record and the headband and the headband was another one be like, yeah, you know, that shit gave me a, after I smoked, I got a headband thing, you know, like, you know, we're talking about the third eye and whatnot. So all of these things were all referenced to the cam. So when I made that original post, I named all of those, all of those names I named the headband all that stuff and what happened was that people just kind of picked up on those catch names on the internet and and being like you know they might have found some kind of s1 or got some kind of diesel that they didn't know what it was or whatever and they just came up with oh we'll call it the headband or we'll call it you know underdog or you know and so like all these names have kind of been like hijacked from the original yeah i guess it makes sense you know people just either knowingly or unknowingly just using the inappropriate names so with that being said then when people talk about original diesel or diesel and they talk about like you know the dnl nl5 haze sort of components to all that do you think there's maybe less truth to that than what the internet maybe makes out at times do you think it's maybe all just chem or do you think it's it's just so convoluted it's hard to track at all yeah, uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell, you, you know. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, because people have just, just changed, you know. People have just, you know, because back in, in, back in those early days, like, names weren't really, you know, as big as they are now, you know what I mean? So, like, like we just kind of, you know, that's kind of like how the PIF and all these other, Hayes type of church and you know these were just all kind of the crippy these were all kind of just catch names you know back in the day you know so you know they weren't really 
anything specific, you know, uh, some things were, but like, uh, some things were just kind of like catch names. So people just kind of just, you know, they just, they just, you know, they just kind of, you know, someone just made up, made, you know, thought that, you know, we'll name it this to sell it, you know, and, and that's what happens too is like people would change the name of the product because they couldn't sell it under the original name for whatever reason, because they were given a clone and they weren't supposed to get it. So they couldn't call it OG Kush. They call it, had to call it underdog or, or, the, you know, so that, you know, the, a lot of the names have been changed for a lot of different reasons, you know? So, um, and, and a lot of it has to do with just making money really. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. And the other thing is, too, the other thing is too, is like if I, if, if you, if you never have seen uh, a certain strain if, if, and if you never seen underdog or, or, or whatever, and I, and I, and I tell you, it is this, you know, you think, you know, you got to think it is because you don't know the difference. And so, you know, so you go thinking it's the real deal. And now you're spreading that as gospel and because that's the only thing that you know. And so that's kind of how these things get started. And then then it just kind of gets a life of its own and, and it kind of just overtakes the original story, I guess. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. I mean, yeah, that happens with a lot of things, right? So if we get back to sort of the the timeline that you were traveling on in your whole journey, when you started to develop, you know, you referenced earlier that you wanted to make a male and you were like, well, I'm going to use the strongest stuff I have, which is the chem. When you started doing all of that, was that with the long-term goal of wanting to breed or was it more of just like a fun project? No, for me, it was just about preservation because, you know, I would, you know, back then it was hard to get clones. So when you got a clone, it was, you know, and and if you lost it, you never knew if you can get it back. So, you know, my theory was, well, I'm getting all of these clone only strains. I got to try to make some kind of representation and see form for, for preservation. You know, even if I get like 70, 70 to 80 percent of the original of the original thing, I consider that a home run. So that was really what, you know, my thought process was really just about preservation in case we lost the chem or the sour or whatever it was, at least I'd have some type of uh, seed stock to fall back on and, and, and used because otherwise it would be gone completely. Yeah, sure. Understandable. So, at what point did Top Dog officially become a brand? Um, I think, well, I had been selling seeds on IC Mag, but not under the top. Uh, I'm not sure. I, 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 I don't know if I, yeah, I, I don't think I really officially made the brand until I crossed over until into uh thc farmer you know because because up at to that point you know i had um i i i was selling some seeds on um seed bay 
that's how I first started selling seeds was on Seed Bay, and that was just for um, that was just for seed credit. You know, they wanted all your banking information and wanted to do a bank transfer. And back then, that was just like, are you crazy? You know what I mean? So I was just like, all right, I'll start selling seeds and, you know, we'll see how it goes. And, um, you know, I'll build up, you know, some money, some seed credit, and I'll just buy a whole bunch of packs on, on seed bed. You know, that was, you know, so... That's what I did at first. I wound up getting all the all these different stuff. I, I got, you know, I, I forget I had, you know, like a thousand dollars worth of, you know, credit or two thousand something like that. And so I was like, wow, this is, you know, a lot. And so, um, so really, what started to happen in over at the IC Mag was that's when Res was really in his prime. And, you know, he was, you know, doing his sour crosses. And at that time, you know, he was just, he was just rolling over everyone, you know, stepping on everyone's toes. Like he wound up getting the chem D and at first, you know, he said he wasn't going to breed with it. And then, and then it turned into a charity auction. And then he was going to give, give greg a rolex for compensation it just went from one thing to another and just evolved into where he fucked them you know so uh what what was happening was he was making ic mag and gypsy so much money like you know these i mean these guys are doing drops and making like 50 grand and a drop and 100 grand i mean doing stupid numbers you know what i mean and, you know, when he was, you know, starting to do all this, he was getting called out. I was calling them out. Other people were calling them out. And so I really reached the point where we became, you know, a de detrimental, you know, a threat. And so they just kind of muted us and they, you know, wound up uh, deleting us and all of this stuff. And they banned, yeah, they wound up banning me and deleted my account so i went over to thc farmer and um that's where uh the the the, the top dog uh brand was really launched officially i guess you could say where i was actually uh getting getting money getting paid for you know the the seeds that um that i was selling you know, and, you know, and eventually, you know, Logic, you know, because, you know, I mean, he had everyone over there. He had OG Rascal and just, I mean, everyone from back in the day, because everyone left RC Mag and he, he, you know, he had a, he had everyone over there and he just wound up fucking everyone, you know, he fucked me, he fucked everyone. And, uh, yeah, the guy is just, you know, even to this day, I think he's just doing the same thing, just scamming people, just trying to get newbie breeders on there, get trying to get them to send him seeds, and then he never paid, and he never pays you. And that's basically how it used to work. You'd have to sell your, you know, send the seeds up front, and then they would sell them, and then they would send you the money. And so uh, I wound up going to Spain and getting cash from uh, Logic in person one time. And um, yeah, and then after that, he just, yeah, he just fucked 
me. So, uh, but by that time, uh, that's, you know, kind of like when, you know, I guess that's like kind of like, like the early beginnings of Instagram by that point, I believe, you know, and uh, there. Yeah, what an interesting progression it all took. And that sort of makes sense to me now because I remembered being on IC Mag and you see some big name people are banned. And I'm like, how did this person end up getting banned? But I guess it's, as you said, you know, sort of a bit of shady stuff on the back end of it all. Yeah, well, he, anyone, I mean, if you, you know, if you wound up calling any, you know, Rez out or, you know, they, they just saw that, saw that as a threat for them to their money you know because that was their cash cow so they had to protect him so he went i mean all you know yeah that all kind of backfired on all of them in the end so yeah interesting stuff what i've always found interesting is the sort of parallels between yours and res dogs chem d lines how you both kind of use the afghan male initially obviously he used the hindu kush you use the afghani number one but they're generally speaking you know sort of from a similar general area of the world do you think that the afghan one paired better with the chem d than the hindu kush yeah well he you know i was the first one to to get the chem d you know and breed with it you know, so I, I had that, you know, going for me, you know, so, you know, he had to copy, he had to try to copy me somehow, but the, the Hindu curse that I grew was very leafy. It, the, it, you know, I thought the, uh, the plant itself was more in, had more uh, sativa in it because it was thin leaved. It kind of grew more stretchy and leafy and, it, I didn't like the structure of the plant. It was more floppy, you know, a thinner stemmed and everything. And I thought that uh, it didn't smoke as well either. You know, the um, the Afghan kind of had a me- medicine-y kind of piney uh, tip to it, the Afghan one, and a thicker stem and thicker buds and everything, the bud structure. So I thought overall that, you know, that plant was the better plant to use. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And I guess as just a sort of a general one, how do you feel given, you know, Rez has returned to the scene and um, is looking slash in the process of releasing new seeds? Um, yeah, it's kind of funny because he's using my uh, Afghan, I mean, African haze, you know. And, you know, he had, you know, some good things to say about me in the very beginning of his return, how he admired me and cornbread Ricky and a few other people. But, you know, after I kind of spoke out uh, over a couple of things, he kind of, you know, uh, withdraw, withdrew those, uh, you know, those claims. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the paperwork kind of speaks for itself. Uh, I think it was Sun Grown Mids that, uh, that published all of the court documentation, uh, which shows that Res Dog was a queen for a day. And for what people, if people don't know what that means, that means that you get to go in 
and spill the beans on everything that you know, and none of that stuff will be held against you just as long as you don't lie about what you're telling. So, you know, they, they had the, the scene in Goodfellas when the guy goes in and he was queen for a day and you, you go in and you, you, you tell them everything. And what they hope to do is you, you collaborate the stuff that they know and you tell, and then you tell them stuff that you, they don't know because you don't know what they don't, what they know and what they don't know. So when you go in there and spill your guts, you're basically going there and telling everything, every exact thing that you did and everything that you know and implicate other people and so on and so forth. So that's what that is. And so, you know, there's people that say that, um, you know, that the, the story that I got was that um, Dutch grown was going to be bringing a shipment of seeds back to uh, England and got caught in, um, in Massachusetts at the airport. And supposedly someone ratted them out and the customs was looking for them when they made, you know, went through there. So uh, I guess at that point, you know, she supposedly was an, an, an ex uh, law enforcement uh, person and I guess that she spilled her guts and led them back to res and he spilled his gut you know everyone just routed on rolled on everyone in the end and you know uh, so you know the, the the paperwork you know clear clearly shows that so um, yeah so I mean you know uh, you know it kind of just goes to show, you know, that people still support him. And in this day and age of Instagram, I don't think there's really anything that you can really say or do. And, you know, then people will still, you're still going to get people that they're going to support you. You know, so no matter how low you go, you know, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to copy someone and rip off their genetics or if you're a known rat or 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 whatever, you know, uh, I, I don't know how how low the bar goes to where, you know, it reaches the point where people aren't going to support you. So, I mean, I mean, that's just the way that it goes on, you know, in uh, on Instagram, uh, you know, no matter uh, who you are or what you do. You know, uh, there's always people who are going to hate on you and there's always going to be people that are going to support you. So, um, you know, it depends on, you know, uh, your character and, you know, how you want to conduct yourself and perceive yourself. So, I mean, I've always been, you know, upfront in, in everything that I, I do and open and transparent, you know, and so... Uh, no one can really say, you know, anything but the truth. Yeah, certainly. I think there was some um, some screenshots, maybe just one or two of the paperwork that have existed for some time and they, they look pretty bad, but they sort of existed in isolation. So as you said, yeah, when SunGrow Mids posted all of the documentation, it was a much more interesting and longer sort of read and it sort of painted a more clear picture, didn't it? I guess if we sort of 
just jump back to the ChemD. One of the questions I've been wanting to ask you for a number of years is what were the reasons you chose to work with the ChemD as opposed to the 91? I didn't have the 91 at the time. Uh, I only had the, the, the uh, ChemD. So that was like the best thing that you know we had at the time. Uh, at that time, uh, even Greg lost the 91. So, I mean, at that time, I think Skunk VA was the only one that had it. And so that didn't really resurface until, you know, a few years later until, you know, everyone kind of got connected on on the uh, internet. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I've noticed that chem people tend to fall into like one of two camps of like they're either diehard 91 or diehard chem D. And, you know, I like them both. I see the merits to both of them. I think, you know, D is probably a lot better commercially and probably you know, applicable to a wider number of people. Um, but I'm interested, where do you fall? Are you diehard Chem 91 or Chem D? Uh, Chem D for sure. You know, the Chem D just has that way more stronger effect for me. Uh, it's way more terpier. Uh, the 91 is nice. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think it falls a little short on, um, on strength. And it's definitely, you know, doesn't really have uh, that same um, taste and, and stuff to it. You know, uh, it's a little more blandish, more kind of Afghani, you know, where you just kind of got that little blandy, you know, it's kind of like a skunky chemminess, but there's not a real over over terp file on that. So um, it still uh, smokes really strong. You know, so, uh, you know, it's definitely, uh, it comes in probably, sec- it definitely comes in second in, in all the chems. Uh, you know, I would rate them Chem D, uh, 91, uh, Chem 4, Sister is how I would rate them. And then the three probably, and then going down the rest of the line, but that's just me personally. Yeah, no, good answer, good answer. So I read some old forum posts and what I sort of realized from them was that in the early days, there was actually like a lot of people posting that they wanted your genetics, but I think like there was only a limited number of packs sort of available through the sites you were referencing earlier. And then there seems to sort of be this shift at some point where like the availability went up and it made me wonder, was that sort of like the point when you were like, I'm going to do this full time or was it coincidental well, you know, early on, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, really, I didn't really probably start getting, you know, gaining traction until, you know, 2009, 2010. You know, that's about when, you know, Kyle Cushman won that, won, won that, uh, that, that uh, high times in San Francisco. We started first going, our first show was uh, in Denver, High Times in Denver, 2011. And um, yeah, so really, you know, by that time, that's when we really started, you know, to, you know, started to get popular. And that was like, right, you know, 2010, 2011, that, that was really when a star dog really started to gain traction after that, after that, uh, well, it had gotten written up on high times 
And then, you know, it had won the cup. And so that's really when it really started, you know, gaining traction and stuff. So, um, yeah, so really, really what happened, you know, so I, you know, that's when I really started, you know, decided to really, you know, um, you know, start exploring, get, you know, kind of, you know, kind of, uh, put my toe in the water, sort of speak, you know, we did that first high times thing, but we didn't sell any seeds, you know, we, we weren't, you know, we were really green at the time. So we were kind of, you know, we didn't know what we were getting into. We really had to like, you know, uh, survey the fucking situation and seeing what other people were doing and what we can get away with and, and everything. So, uh, yeah, so we, we came to Denver in, in 2011 and a lot of people came up to us and wanted to buy seeds. And, you know, we were just kind of like overwhelmed and being like, yeah, this, you know, can really, you know, be something. And so, uh, we, uh, you know, we did the, so we did the, the show the next year, 2012, and then we started selling seeds, you know, at the shows. And, you know, by that time, you know, and that's pretty, you know, pretty, you know, and that's really uh, kind of coincides with, uh, you know, the internet thing. And because um, we, you know, we were over at THC Farmer. And then there was another site that, and then, and then there was a bunch of other sites that started popping up at that same time. Uh, for, um, I'm trying to think of the other one we were on. Uh, it was uh, can, can collective, I think. Yeah. Can collective. So I, you know, I've, yeah, I was having trouble with, with DJ, uh, with uh, logic and then so I went and then I started going over to Canna Collective and that was right around 2012. And I wound up going to Amsterdam in 2012 and meeting, uh, meeting a bunch of people out there. And, and, you know, um, and so that, you know, uh, but what happened was in, um, in 2013, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was in 2013, I wound up uh, getting uh, arrested uh, driving, uh, coming back from my grow house. And uh, what happened was I was up, up at the house. It was, it was a Memorial Day weekend and the septic system was broken. One of the pipes got clogged. So, you know, I couldn't use a shower or the water or anything like that. So I was up there cutting and usually, you know, I would cut and then take a shower, change my clothes and, you know, go home. So I couldn't take a shower. So I washed up and I changed my clothes and I drove, I was driving home and, you know, I had maybe like a a gram or two of flour on me and a little pipe, you know, I never traveled with a lot of stuff. And so I'm driving and I'm not paying attention and I'm going down the hill and I'm doing 82 and the speed limit 65. I'm going down the hill and then it goes up a hill. And so at the top of that hill, there was a cop underneath the bridge and he was shooting radar going down the hill. And I, so 
as soon as I started going down and then I started going up, he got me and I knew that he got me. So when I passed him, he pulled fucking out and he pulled me over, you know, and then I rolled down the window. The first thing he said, he smelled marijuana. And if I had marijuana in the car, you know, and so I knew like, you know, I was in trouble at that point, you know, so he rips me out of the car, searches the car. And there's an empty uh, fertilizer bottle in my trunk. And then they start asking me about where am I coming from? You know, and if I don't, and then they start asking me about growing weed, this and that. You know, these are New, Jer New Jersey state troopers. You know, I told them I was coming from New York state fishing. I had my fishing gear with me. You know, but then they started asking me if I own property up there, blah, blah, blah. So I knew like, you know, there was, I was in fucking, I was in, I was in danger. And the only thing that they had to do was call the New York state troopers and be like, yeah, run this guy's name. They would have ran my name and saw that my name would have popped up on the utilities. You know, I, you know, the, all the bills were in my name. So they would have saw that, you know, I had an electric bill. They would have taken a look at the electric bill and seen that I had high usage. So it had been one one red flag after another red flag after another red flag. So they would have saw that. They would have sent someone up to the house to do a walk around to do some type of investigation. So I, I had this all premeditated. So after that, you know, I ripped the room down. And, you know, I decided that, you know, I, I had to shut my operation down for a, a year or two. And so what I had to do was, you know, I had to fix the septic. I had to fix the house up and I sold it. And then, you know, uh, then, you know, uh, uh, I was, you know, I was at that point, I was just sitting on limited stock stuff that I had made and stuff. So I was, you know, selling some of that stuff off. And then, you know, I came out to Colorado and did the Colorado um, High Time Show in 2015. And, um, you know, at that point, you know, I, I had sold my house. I had money in the bank. Like, I was ready to make a move. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was talking to people in Seattle. And I was talking, you know, thinking about Denver. It was either going to be Denver or Seattle. I had a, I had a possible... Um, deal with someone you know in uh that had a you know they were building out a warehouse and stuff so you know i had to decide on where i wanted to go and then so uh you know a friend of mine you know the the the, the seattle thing kind of fell through and a friend of mine um he had moved out from michigan and he had just moved out here and he's like, yeah, come on out. You could stay with me for two weeks. So the, the show was around 420. And then I came back like a month later in May and I was here for two weeks. And, you know, I was just asking around looking to rent the house. And, and I was asking people if anyone knew that someone, you know, with a, you know, that was cannabis friendly landlord. And uh, so my one friend, he's like, yeah, I, I rent from a guy and he has a couple, he rent, he has a couple of houses for rent. So uh, he, he, he hooked me up with his landlord and I was able to rent, uh, I had a house for rent that I was able to grow in. And so, uh, you know, I decided that I was going to, um, you know, come out here and live for a year and grow 
and see how I liked it, you know? And so that's what I did. And so I started back up and, you know, um, started making seeds again and, you know, things, you know, were going good. And I decided at that point that I was going to buy a house, you know? So I, uh, the lease was over. I got kicked out of there. Uh, I had to rent for a short while and then I bought a house up in the mountains and, uh, but then I still had a house in New Jersey. So, um, so I had the house up in the mountains and then we started looking at another house down in the Denver area. And so we sold, sold our house in New Jersey and, you know, we moved full time to Colorado pretty much. And so, you know, from, from that point on, I just been kind of, you know, just been in, you know, once I decided to move here, it was pretty much full time because the whole time when I was uh, back in New Jersey, I worked for, you know, I had a full time job in construction. So I used to go work eight hours a day and I'd, I'd, I'd wake up, you know, uh, like five, six in the morning, be on the job at seven o'clock. Uh, we'd work to like three, three thirty. And then I would drive into New York City and I had an apartment in New York City and that's where I sold weed out of. And so I did that, you know, Monday, Tuesday. And then on Wednesdays, I would drive upstate two hours to my grow house and I would water everything. And then I would turn back around and that was my day. Two hours up, water, two hours back, right? On Wednesday, Thursday, you will be back at work. And, you know, Friday, back at work, Saturday, back upstate, you know. So I, I did that for like 12 years. 12 years I did that, you know. And, and you know, uh, just doing all the driving and all the traveling, I would just constantly be getting pulled over and, you know, getting, you know. And so finally this, this was the last straw, you know, when I got, got you know, the, the the last time I got you know stopped and so I was like I'm out of here I don't want to have to deal with this bullshit I knew that I had um you know that there was a good prospect of the seed thing happening and the last thing I wanted to do was like get jammed up you know in uh in the system and you know have to go to jail or probation or whatever because when you do, when you're on all that stuff, they're, they, they're in your life. Like it's very hard to operate an, an illegal thing without, you know, getting jammed up. And if you do, then you're definitely going to go to jail. So I decided I wasn't going to be taking that chance. I'll just go to a state where I can grow. I'm not going to be growing for production. I just need to grow for seed production. So I'm not going to be doing, you know, the big, huge room, which I, which I, and that's what I originally would do was, was I, I was originally a grower for production. And I used to do these little side seed side things on the side, you know, and that's kind of how it started. And then it just kind of evolved into where the little side thing, seed side thing became bigger than, than you know growing for you know production so you know uh once i saw that you know i had that um you know that that possibility was out there i just 
decided to run with it. And, um, you know, luckily it's all, it's all worked out for me. Yeah. Wow. What a run. I mean, kudos for driving upstate two times a week for 11 years. That's brutal, dude. I bet you're sick of driving. <laughs> yeah, no, I put on, a, I mean, I used to put uh, probably like 30,000 miles a year on my vehicle easily. Wow. You know, while, while you mentioned it, you've stimulated a thought and I want to quickly ask you before I forget it. I was talking to Bob Hemphill, and he was telling me about this strain that they grow in upstate New York. Never heard about it before. It's called the Shire. It's like a super silver sour diesel hybrid, something like along those lines. But he said like goes for like a hundred days. It's like in upstate New York, these guys love it, and like they swear it's the best. Have you ever heard of that one? I've heard of the Shire, but I'm not over familiar with it. Um, it almost sounds like a res dog cross, but I don't know if that's true or not. Um, yeah, I've never, yeah, I'm just not familiar with it. I, I never smoked it or so I, I know nothing about it, but I've heard of the name though. There you have it, guys. Two out of three in the bag. You pumped for part three? That was sick in my opinion, as always. Huge shout-out again to JJ for taking the time to come on the show and a huge shout-out to our amazing sponsors for helping us to make the show happen. Seeds here now, best seed bank in the game. Go hit them up for all the hottest drops from all the breeders you know, you love. Guarantee on satisfaction at the end of a cycle, not just guarantee on germination. Why would you go elsewhere? Likewise, go check out Coppet Biological Systems. With all the most advanced technologies, these guys have got you covered and will keep the pests at bay. Check out the Afiparm or the Spidex Vital. Both of them incredible products. going to help you overcome any infestation you have, or more importantly, keep away a potential infestation. Nothing better than being proactive and getting on top of a problem before it even exists, guys. Go check out Coppet Biological Systems. Incredible sponsors. We really appreciate them. And last but not least, Promix Connect. Your number one mycorrhizal product in the game. You know Promix. You've probably bought their peat before. Guess what? They've got a killer mycorrhizal product now. And if you check it out, I promise you, your plants will be better off for it. No questions asked. Better resin, better flavor, better yield. You know mycorrhizal is fantastic. I don't need to sell you on it. Go check it out. Promix Connect. Number one mycorrhizal product in the game. Furthermore, huge shout out to Charlie's Cannabis, your number one family owned small batch craft cannabis producer out of Oklahoma, providing you with incredible flavors, chemical sunset, star pebbles, so many more on the horizon. Check out their Instagram to see what they're pheno hunting at the moment. I'm really excited to have these guys on board and I think it's going to be magical to see what they produce going forward. You need some high quality smoke you're in Oklahoma, go check out Charlie's Cannabis. You'll be puffing good, I promise. Finally, shout out to the Patreon gang. I love you. I appreciate you. You are the best. If you want to get access to unheard content, early access to interviews, giveaways, so much more, go check it out. We recently got a Discord, guys. I'm a bit late to the Discord party, but I tell you what, I'm loving it. Some good chats going on there. Be sure to check out Patreon if you want to help support the show and ensure content continues to be made. 
That's it for part one, guys. I'll see you back for part two and part three. Thanks for hanging around. We'll see you.